Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 182. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Pallavi Kutamasu. And for our topic today, Pallavi, you wanted to discuss some interesting modern slang that I also feel will make for a really fascinating discussion. So there are plenty of words that have changed over the course of history and have acquired different, if not opposite, definitions. One particular example is the word literally, which in the dictionary now has figuratively as a second definition. But I'm especially interested in these two words, salty and savage. I believe their definitions have changed due to the internet and an introduction of a more modern slang. Salty and savage themselves aren't new words. They haven't been invented recently, but they've taken on new roles in recent times. And I thought that would be interesting to talk about because I think their trajectories reflect a particular history. It's wise of you to make mention of history because in my preparation for this episode, I was thinking about how old these words actually are. And one of my theories connects to how a lot of us speak about history. Many people say history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I'm coming to make similar conclusions about language, that certainly terms are invented and evolve, but more often than not, language is linked to previous language, whether that's an entirely new dialect or a transformation and appropriation in certain cases of previous terms. We see a lot of that with more derogatory terms used towards minorities or those who have been oppressed, being claimed and transformed into something more powerful, often defiant of the previous oppressor, which I find really fascinating and worthy of its own future discussion. But looking specifically at Salty and Savage, terms I'm glad you've brought to the table, one of the first things I noticed as I was reflecting on both terms is that they are both comments on the behavior of others. They don't refer to internal stakes necessarily or internal emotions, they're very socially based terms. And of course, these terms are not the only words in our lexicon, so it would be foolish to say that they represent some dominant trend, that we are, as humanity, only commenting on the behavior of others now and not speaking about internal or introspective factors, because that's simply not the case. However, I don't think it's inconceivable that the culture which has emerged via social media has led us to use more socially based terms because social media is, just as much narcissistic statements, to use that term rather loosely, a bunch of people also commenting on the statements, the photographs, the experiences of other people. Many comments in videos will use words like salty or savage to describe the behavior of the people portrayed. And so these terms are really interesting to me, not only as slang, nor even modern slang, but slang that I think has an interwoven history and connection with internet culture in the 21st century. I think at this point in the conversation, we may benefit from talking about each one of these terms separately. When I was looking up the term salty and its etymology, one of the most important factors of its old definition was that it referred to something precious. And in fact, it was an important commodity in trade. There's even the gesture of rubbing your fingers together, which implies that you want or have money. And according to my research, that gesture comes from the rubbing of salt on your fingers. Eventually, this precious commodity became an adjective form that you could use to define another person, to say that they were salt of the earth or precious. And that's definitely a different interpretation of what we think of salty now in the 21st century with internet culture, where it means that someone's being bitter or resentful of a certain action. I wonder about how these two definitions came to be. I don't necessarily think the lineage is one line. I think when a word comes from a physical substance, it can create complex definitions that may contradict each other. 
yes, salt was a precious commodity, but there is also that sensation where if you have too much salt in your mouth, you pinch your face and do look a bit bitter. And maybe the latter definition isn't the reason why salty came to mean bitter and resenting, but I can see why it would. We often think of history and etymology in a very simplified manner, where we just see one trajectory going backwards. But I think in the case of salty and many modern slang terms, we can see, especially in the term salty, that its trajectory was less linear and more circular in a rhyming fashion, like you mentioned before. I wonder if what ended up happening with these two different definitions is that someone went directly to the source material, salt itself, and created definitions based on two different sensations. With the mention of linearity and multitudes, I've been thinking similar things that we all experience language and, of course, the world differently. And it doesn't surprise me that because of the mosaic of human experiences, certain terms take on various meanings among and throughout different cultures and communities. I also think words from a physical substance, as you had mentioned, are especially interesting because, using salt as a very specific example, we all experience physical sensations in nuanced ways, however similar they might be. But looking for a moment at taste, I know that we all have different palates, so I find it very logical that words based on taste would mean different things to different people because we experience taste in different ways. And you used the word bitter in sharing those thoughts, which is also linked to food, how we consume and taste the world. And I suspect one of the reasons that salty and terms like bitter or sweet have taken on permanent residence in our language rather than a temporary rental of centuries or maybe a couple of decades is that taste for the majority of us is a central part of the human experience. And of course, food remains fundamental in human life. And to further stitch that connection between food and language, which has been discussed countless times in countless other texts, etc., human beings all live on the same planet and, with obvious exceptions, have access to the same ingredients. Similarly, in a linguistic sense, all of us within certain communities or countries have access to the same languages, but it makes sense that people would experiment with both of these resources through which we experience the world. And frankly, I'm always happy to see that because there's an element of self-expression and even artistic remixing in some cases. I would even conclude by saying that it's possible listeners of our conversation right now who had not previously heard terms like salty or savage might find them applicable and fun to use in their vocabulary. And as a result, we might be spreading the seeds of new linguistic development, which I think is really fascinating to consider. And actually, in thinking about this like a mosaic of human experiences, I'm realizing that there is a narrative thread in the word salty. You mentioned access to language, and that made me think about access to salt in human history and how it was this precious commodity early on. Now we've come to this place where salt is easily accessible, at least in our experiences, and it is possible to have too much of it, the same way that something can be sickeningly sweet. I feel like with words related to taste, there's often a spectrum that unfolds. You can either have too little or too much of something, and maybe just that right amount in the middle. So maybe that's embedded in the narrative of the word salty, where we've gone from having very little to maybe having too much of it. And where it's often advisable to balance one's palate or diet to enjoy various flavors and textures of food. 
there's a very short logical leap in suggesting that if people are too salty, i.e. too bitter about recent experiences or whatever it is that they're unhappy about, that is unhealthy, and they should balance their emotional responses as a result. Therefore, salty, as a commentary on the behavior of others, is a way of policing and regulating behavior in a sense, in the same way that salt acts as a flavor modifier and also a food preservative. All of these interpretations of this modern definition of salty prove how decentralized language actually is. I think it's better to liken etymology to a mosaic than to a line or a thread. Which brings us to the word savage. I think the way that we use savage in modern times reflects a different transformation than how we use salty. Previously, common ways to use the word savage was in a colonizing fashion, where an imperializing force would call the colonized savage in order to show that they're an inferior rank of humanity. I feel now when we use the word savage, especially in video commentary, it's used to describe an action, not necessarily a person. And I wonder why the word savage, especially considering its history of mistreating people, hasn't undergone the same taboo that racial slurs and other derogatory terms like the N-word have gone through. You do a great job unpacking the word savage. From my historical standpoint, it feels like it was not used to classify a group of humanity, but rather to identify subhuman creatures who were barely, if ever, acknowledged as humanoid in any way. And what I find fascinating is that the previous use of savage in this problematic derogatory tone was used to describe an individual, an entity that of course was not treated as human. But in the modern context, I agree with you that it's far more often a commentary on behavior. And that's a transition, though this word is murky and dark in its history, that I personally appreciate. I'm always a fan of describing behavior over the entirety of a person because people are complex and experience a whole slew of emotions, traumas, victories, etc. over the course of their lives. And to use single or even a few terms to try to encapsulate that, to me, always feels to some extent laughable because words are so small and the depth of human experience is conversely so vast. But to describe human behavior as savage, or another term, to me feels a little bit more logical or easy to comprehend. But I also think the term has historical roots in rationalization of sorts. Why is one group of human beings slaughtering or enslaving another? Well, it's because of this term. The former group needs to dehumanize them in some way to justify their behavior. And similarly, in a modern context, of course, it's very common to remark upon the behaviors, appearances, etc. of other people. But I do wonder to some extent if we are rationalizing, quote, savage behavior, which in the modern context means that you are doing something without concern for how other people might interpret what you're saying or doing. You carry and exhibit a degree of apathy. And I'm no moral arbiter for our society. But I do wonder if that's something we want to be rationalizing, something we want to simultaneously find funny, a little bit ruthless, and also admirable, given the tone many use when they apply this term to other people. I agree with you that this shift from savage describing a person to a behavior does remove a degree of blame. For one, to describe a person as savage locks someone in a container, where any action they perform is considered savage. I'm a firm believer that defining identity by verbs or words close to verbs, like behaviors and actions, allows us to weave a more complex human tapestry. And I actually looked up the word savage to find out that there is a verb form, 
where it means to tear or to maul or to hunt. Though the word salty comes from a physical substance, it seems like the word savage has an origin in a verb. And though verbs or actions and the way that they're interpreted depend on who's interpreting them, I believe verbs allow more agency because of the fact that they move and transform. Someone can act savage and it's a temporary thing. Someone who is savage is within a permanent state. And maybe because the word savage does come from a verb, we've been able to recycle it in a way that perhaps is able to distance us from that terrible history. And the mention of agency is really crucial, both because language is used on people and people use language. And in both examples, it's always fundamental, where possible, to remember and make room for the agency of other people. This entire conversation, as those before us certainly have, illustrates the power of culture to shape language. And they dance with one another. I don't think either is independent. But as someone who is fascinated by both culture and language, I'm particularly grateful that we had a chance to discuss the two and these terms in a format I really enjoyed. But before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to our discussion? Thinking about the origin of these words, how salty comes from a physical substance, and how savage comes from an action, I'm wondering what the audience would like to use to define their identities. Would you prefer to use a verb, where you can perhaps gender a certain period of time and then perform a different gender at another time? Or do you prefer to go down to the root of a physical substance, where you can perhaps describe someone like a doll, where they can be on one hand very pretty, and on the other hand very creepy? And with that example, of course, we come back to the duality or multiplicity of language that we all experience language differently. And so I would love to hear from the audience, especially because the title of this episode referred to these terms. If you've had previous and different experiences with the words that disagree with how Pallavi and I have discussed them, and if so, do you remember when you first heard them, how they were used? And additionally, are you using these or other slang terms in your lexicon that feel particularly modern or nuanced to you? But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. We would love to bridge information ecosystems. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and sharing the show with others, as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you can enjoy perks like exclusive bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off. And this is Pallavi Kutamasu. Think twice. Or more.